prepared to be honest to yourself because that's basis of growth. Things cannot be perfect from the first try. You have to keep trying to understand uh, yourself and just to expose yourself. Uh, being exposed and being open does mean we have to be vulnerable, but it must happen. We will get hurt in the process. We will experience issues. We will be blocked. And But uh, without it, uh, it we, uh, we cannot get stronger. We have to get stronger for ourselves, for the people around us. Hey, 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 this is Edward, and you're listening to the Dreamcatcher Quest podcast. This show is about conversations with people who have magically and smartly achieved their dreams, their bucket lists, and life goals. Anyway, I hope you'd enjoy this episode, and happy dream catching! And we're back to the podcast, and now, today I'm going to introduce somebody. Met him, like, recently, but not really recently. (laughs) I think I'll just let him introduce himself because he, he would be best suited to introduce himself. We can get the ball rolling. Go on. Well, hello. My name is Nemanja. I'm from Serbia, but for non-Serbian speakers, I go by many nicknames, out of which uh, the most used one is Nemo. So feel free to, to give any nickname, basically. Yeah, we'll use, we'll use Nemo for today then. Great. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I'm 29. I have, as I said, I'm Serbian uh, of Orthodox uh, Orthodox Christian that have been that has graduated uh, or that has bachelor and master degree in electrical engineering slash telecommunications, which is something that I was leaning to through all my childhood to achieve something of that field. Right now, I'm working as QA engineer, so in the, my field of expertise. Not a narrow field of expertise, but close enough to, to, to say I'm in my own waters. So, yeah. Also, man, uh, aside being a man of thousand nicknames, I'm also a man of thousand hobbies. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. just uh, constantly trying to, to explore stuff, to, to uh, try myself out in different hobbies and to generally see where my limits are right maybe uh, i'll start it with a with a question you know i mean this is a common question when when you were when you were a kid who did you envision to become or oh boy <laughs> the the visions that i've had as a kid i mean the most as many of the kids i don't know how it is in other cultures but here i think it wasn't that uncommon for kids to uh, dream on, of being an astronaut so that was one of the first idea that I had, like, oh, I'm going to be an astronaut, like travel to space. That's exciting. But through childhood, I don't know, at one point you just stop. I was just being a kid, being in a moment. I wasn't envisioning much uh, mm-hmm. through teenage years. Who should I become? I wasn't yeah. sure what can I become? What mm-hmm. are the options? Uh, I did at one point dreamed of being a game developer, ah. which is what, which is the reason why I ended up in electrical engineering university. I didn't have luck to to enter the game developing industry, but I'm actually really happy how that all turned out. 
because I see myself here where I am right now. I don't know. I, I envisioned a lot of stuff that didn't make sense. Mm -hmm. I also envisioned myself to be a father by age of 25, which was looking back and uh, based on how I res research and stuff, it's kind of a bit young for, for, for <laughs> you, 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 you don't experience life yet and you're like, oh, I'll, I'll be father by age of 25. That's not at least, mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. not. How how was the environment you you grew up in? Like you know, have a lot of friends. I'm an only only child. So from that point of view, I was a bit limited with uh, not, not in uh, some anxious kind of way, but just sometimes you need a friend in at home mm -hmm. when you don't have it. I I did try to I consider myself like. Uh, uh, lowest possible denominator, or how is it called in math? Uh, I was trying to be on a good terms with everyone mm -hmm. because I didn't want to like establish myself or label myself as a certain person, certain like jock or uh, or a mm -hmm. nerd. Or I enjoyed creating fresh friendships with all those groups. Uh, mm -hmm. So I was constantly going back and forth uh, between the groups. I can say I had a pretty happy childhood. My parents were great parents when I was a kid. They helped me uh, develop, they helped me learn, and uh, they established uh, that pretty much, they ingrained in me that uh, it doesn't matter if you have good grades. It doesn't matter if, I mean, they wanted mm -hmm. to have, for me to have good grades, and I did have good mm -hmm. grades, but uh, it was mostly important to be a good person. Mm -hmm. So that's something that through, through normal normal behavior like saying thank you when someone gives you something or greeting uh, mm -hmm. someone of elderly through those mm -hmm. small steps they tried to, to build me in becoming uh, mm -hmm. uh someone who will focus on being a better person a better person and with this with this upbringing in which direction were you inclining into with this better version of yourself for, uh, Im image, which direction or inclinations did you have? Could you elaborate a bit? You said that your parents brought you up to become a better person, and I know, I know that each one of us we have this deep inside uh -huh, okay. certain, you know, inclination. Maybe here, this better version of myself, I would go in and tread this path. So, okay. where were you headed? Naturally, uh, naturally uh, it. It wasn't really spoken uh, mm -hmm. like it, but uh, it's, it was like when you read between the lines, it was understood as that golden rule from all the religions. Mm -hmm. Don't do to others what you don't want to be done to you. So better version was perhaps um, resisting the impulses to do something that I don't want yeah. to have been done to myself. I mean, let's be real, that's a constant struggle no matter how old are you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone, someone will push your button in a really wrong yeah, time yeah. of life, and yeah. mostly by that. But uh, generally, one of the things that I was told since I was a kid is that as big and savage world can be, uh, there's one thing that's it's really hard to take away from you, and that's your knowledge. Bettering myself was uh, also meaning to build myself with knowledge, uh, which is the reason why I was inclined to have many different hobbies throughout life. Some, some, maintain, some are still there, some are not. But generally, build myself with knowledge, not 
you you never know how it will be of use of you. Maybe we'll be able to help someone else. Maybe we'll help yourself. I mean, the idea was for that, not to cash it, not to use it in that way, but just to use it to have an easier life, whether for you or for people around you. You're passionate with learning then? Um, I would say so, yes. I mean, there were times when I, when I wasn't, but um, <laughs> I, think, I think that's normal, especially in the university when you're to the, to the gears. Just In a way, what type of things did you really cherish diving into? I mean, learning or spending more time in? I honestly took a long time to actually started cherishing learning. I don't remember cherishing learning in primary school. I was doing it more of out of discipline, mm-hmm. you know, being disciplined, being to have good grades and so on. I never really enjoyed any of the subjects. It was in high school when I understood the greatness of a teacher, of a professor, because they are very, very underestimated as, as a role in society. Mm-hmm. When I had the amazing math teacher that made me fell in love in, with math, I was generally okay, good, good with math. But I never really loved it until uh, she started it as a subject because she had a discipline and she also had a way to present it as one of the most fun things possible. Mm -hmm. And she was pushing you to the limits to always be a bit better than you you were in a previous class or your previous exam, Mm -hmm. just to work your sweats for your best. And that's very, it was very rare in in that high school to, to have that kind of professor as well. And even in uni, I haven't had many professors that would that would that would push me that far. Mm-hmm. So I would say that math, mathematics, were, were, was one of the first things that I enjoyed. I still do enjoy fiddling around, understanding concepts and, and solving, mm-hmm. let's say, puzzles, equations, <laughs> whatever. It, wow. It's a mystery to solve. And on the uni, I realized that I enjoyed expanding knowledge regarding uh, this uh, narrow field of expertise I graduated Mm -hmm. in, that's audio and video telecommunications. I was absolutely astonished learning about uh, how the most basic thing, how does TV work? It was, (laughs) I mean, from from a point of view of of a regular person, of common person, you know, you just turn it on, they they provide you a picture, that's it. From a point of engineer, it's flabbergasting how, how well they they made it. Generally, how your how your eyes and how your ears work, mm-hmm. and how hard it is to translate these our accessories, our mm-hmm. tools into mm-hmm. engineering world. It's amazing how actually we as a person are also equipped well, but how how does all does all those translate to engineering? So I really enjoyed those classes because. And that's the first time I enjoyed that university in classes. It took me like a few years. It was probably the only time that I felt like what student is. You enjoy the classes, you go to classes, you learn, you expand. You don't sit uh, at home and prepare for exam. You just learn. So mm-hmm. that, was, that was one of the, one of the most cherishing uh, things I, I was learning about. And I tried to maintain it. It's a bit hard when you're not working in that field, so it's a bit harder to maintain that knowledge or expand because it's ever-changing world. I try to maintain it occasionally. Great. So in, in the end, this also, in the end, you 
I myself, I would say, eventually, there was this one cousin who told me, I was just so hungry to learn a lot of things. My aunt would even tell me that when some toys, <laughs> when I was a kid, and if something didn't work as they used to, I would open them up. <laughs> I don't know if you you would tinker onto things as well if you had that kind of. Not really. Uh, I I realized that many kids did that, and I'm amazing. Uh, but somehow I didn't do that. Uh, mm. Maybe I was appreciating. I mean, if it works, works. If it not, usually my dad would come and fix stuff. I, I but I, but I did those stuff with uh, Legos. So uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. build something according to the rules, then smash it and make something else. And expanding in that way, thankfully, oh. I, I've had the opportunities. Oh, great! You mentioned a moment ago that you are a man of a lot of hobbies. Uh, so, what hobbies do you? And time in at the moment, it mostly learning a language, mm-hmm. uh, Italian. It it was always something basic and not not expanded. Uh, I think I haven't been properly upgrading, so I, I uh, went to YouTube and I was researching what is this to learn a new language. So I was figuring out uh, my uh, let's say roadmap how to get mm-hmm. around language. So that's one of the hobbies. Reading is one of the bigger hobbies. You're aware of that. I uh, last year I read sixty six books. Oh wow! <laughs> uh, for this year, I've set the goal of forty because I mm. was aware that this will be a very busy year. So I was keeping that on, on bay, and uh, mm-hmm. it's going well. And uh, writing at the moment. So right. Writing was a tool that I never thought I would use. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was a kid, when I was in primary school and a bit in high school, whenever we had an assignment to write something, I never wrote. It was mom that wrote it, and I never considered myself <laughs> capable of doing that. I mean, it's hilarious that I ended up writing stuff, a lot of stuff, but as a kid, I never wrote things. How, what it is to write? How do you write? I, I don't yeah. know. I'm not talented. I don't even consider myself talented at the moment for writing. Just uh, disciplined, building up the style through through quantity, through through writing and writing and writing, until mm-hmm. I figure out how to express myself. Mm-hmm. So writing is a huge part, constantly of my life. It's been. I started writing about in 2012, so 10 years. <laughs> For 10 years, I've been writing pretty much constantly. Uh, sometimes poems, sometimes short stories, novels, at least thoughts sometimes. Yes, uh, yes, yes. Something to write about, to express, because through writing, you learn about yourself, if nothing else. You express yourself and sometimes, I know you did that, you look back through to what you wrote and you just see the change. And it's just... Very, very, very entertaining to, to compare yourself to who you were. Mm-hmm. Because after all, that's the only compare we need in life to who, who we are and who we will be and mm-hmm. who we were. Interesting. I didn't hear this from you yet. <laughs> I mean, this comparing yeah. thing. Uh, good. I'm happy. Yes, I, I, uh, I think that's one common thing as well with, with you and me. I attempted to write. I'm not as diligent as you are, so I, I need some deadlines so that I would be pushed to write. We all need that deadlines for that. In a way, I share the same thing that writing really shows your inner thoughts to you. Things that you wouldn't even have 
I wouldn't say you wouldn't even have thought, but you were actually thinking. That's at the very core of you. It might have been an external influence or an internal internal push, but it is you. And it amazes me to think, I mean, to realize that this is me. You know, because oftentimes I always have this theory that in front of other people, you are somebody else. But then in front of you, who are you? That's what I... It demands honesty from you to yourself. Correct. And I know people who are not even capable of that. So being able to be honest to yourself is not an easy thing. Yeah, it is not an easy thing. I think I was brought to that position mainly because of of the environment where I grew up as well. So it just springs out, out of you. And maybe I mentioned to you, like, I don't know, when was the last time we talked about writing? But when I go back, to the short stories that I was able to formulate out of nowhere, <laughs> and I go back to them, I can't imagine myself writing them. It's, it's as if there's another person inside of me really wanting to come out. And it's not even picture out that it is me on a daily basis, but it is me. It is me there. One version of you. One version of you that was wanting to get out and just say, hey, hey, world. <laughs> This is a part of me. Even my biases, you know, my biases, all of the things, my prejudice, my biases, my inclinations, they all go in between the lines. And me, as a reader of my own writing, I get to understand. So that's how I think. So these are the things that are negotiable and these are the things that are non-negotiable for me. It's scary. (laughs) But I think that the beauty of writing, most people would say journaling in a, in a way, it's a therapeutic thing. No? I didn't really do journaling, but I think that the moment I started that challenge of, of writing short stories, it had sort of like the same cathartic effect. And it was sort of myself catching up to myself. I mean, you can go back and re- read it as a journaling. So yeah, yeah, exactly. I've had that experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty much the same thing, just a different format. I just have these questions. I I know you mentioned before that you have written sort of how many novels already? I have written two novels and one collection of short stories. But I also have collection that's not formatted into collection of other short stories. If I were to sum it up, I have two novels, which I'm trying to, as you know, uh, edit and expand into mm-hmm. three. I have a collection of short stories that there are 20 short stories, I think, mm-hmm. in it. And I have about 20 more short stories that are not part of any collection, nor will be, because they're just, mm-hmm. as you know, like parts of journal. And I have like 30 poems or something. Amazing. Could you please give us a brief background of the, of, of the two novels or three novels, sort of? Okay. It's very unusual how it came to light because the first novel was well, started as a short story that uh, I wrote for sake of a friend mimicking her fear of fish. So I was like thinking, imagine if there was a sailor that was afraid of fish. <laughs> that, that was, that for me, that was like a hilarious thing. And I wanted to write that and write a short story about the girl that's a cabin boy. You, you'll notice the yeah. issue with the genders. She dressed up as a boy and boarded a ship to be a cabin boy. And she has, she's terrified of fish, but wants to sail. No, ma- no matter what, she wants to sail. About a year later, I was introduced by that same friend. 
to the challenge of National Novel Writing Month, where you are uh-huh. you are familiar with it, I think. Yeah, yeah, in yeah. A, in a month of November, you are mm-hmm. demanded to write fifty thousand words uh, mm-hmm. of a book. So I was like, okay, I'll do it. And then I uh, delayed it for a year, and then I decided to do it. And I had no idea. I delayed it first time because I had no idea what to write about. I had mm-hmm. no book idea, and the second time. I grabbed the short story that I mentioned and I wanted to expand it. That was maybe a bad idea because I had some important exams that I kind of ignored, but I do not regret looking back. I, ma- I managed to complete the challenge, uh, mm-hmm. write 50,000, 50 something thousand words in, in a month. And I was, you know, happy that the challenge was success. I shared the stories, I shared the book with a few people, but uh, I got. Uh, only one review, mm-hmm. which was worth all the gold. For that one person, I wrote a sequel because the first book, due to time limit, was left on a cliffhanger. And that's why uh, when I'm editing and going back, I, pl- I plan to split it so we don't have a cliffhanger, but to have a nice mm-hmm. gentle flow. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I, I digress too much. Uh, pretty much basic basis of the story is that uh, this girl named Celine or mm-hmm. Selena in, in Serbian, decides to run away from home mm-hmm. to be a cabin boy. And she has a, this crazy luck. She cut her hair, she, she's, like, she's mm-hmm. like dressed up, and she had the luck to run into a, a captain that was mm-hmm. waiting for a cabin boy to arrive, and he mistook her for his cabin boy and brought her on ship. And she has not no knowledge about what the sailors do, she just knows... Mm-hmm their stories. So she's learning how to do stuff. She's facing obstacles of fishes and stuff like that. And it's just, uh, uh, I feel it around about that a lot, about just a, a child on a boat trying firstly to learn how to be a sailor, but also protect her secret. She lied about her gender, which is mm-hmm. given that uh, the action takes place end of 16th century. At that time, I, I tried to impose that there was belief that women on ship is a curse. Okay, all right. Uh-huh. So I, I was I was playing with that a lot, and as I was writing, I had a whole roadmap of what the story will be. Mm-hmm. But when the challenge took place, I had so much fun writing about her trying to just learn about sailing. Forced myself to research how the sailor ship worked back then, not now, but back uh-huh. then. To, to know even even the parts of ships mm-hmm. to know how how to how to handle all that so i had so much fun writing about that that it was end of the month and i wrote nothing of what i planned i was not even close so i rushed and created really bad ending but i think that one of the strengths of the, this novel was in the characters themselves not the story not the, not the environment because i tried to to make them really uni- unique, but base them on people I know. For mm-hmm. myself, uh, as a writer, I had a really big struggle in uh, defining characters. But I come to realize that all of us are actually some interesting way worth of, of being a character in a novel. You, me, random people on the streets, they all, mm-hmm. as little as I mean, know about them, some of them, most of them, they're all very interesting. Even the most boring person would be amazing character in a novel. Mm-hmm. We all have that some 
trait that will that will make us interesting. So I started basing my characters on people I know, and it started first with planning of other novels that I'm yet to write. Every character was based on someone I know, whether whether by some traits in a significant way, whether both physically and how mm-hmm. I envision the character, whole personality, just mm-hmm. placing them together. I don't know—is it cheating in writing to? I'm not making up these characters. I'm just using mm-hmm. the inspiration. I'm drawing the inspiration from from people around me, Amazing. just observing. Yes. I the other day I was like. I was thinking we were walking around somewhere, but I was thinking to myself, everybody should be careful with a writer. I mean, everybody should be careful doing things in front of a writer because everything that we observe are materials we can use. <laughs> and I'm like, that's really <laughs> sort of yeah. I mean, that's why I was saying that when I started writing some short stories. Especially like this one that I, the one I sent you, this the, mm-hmm. the, the ring the ringmaker. Yes, this ringmaker story. It never really occurred to me why would I write such a thing. I mean, why? Why a ringmaker? First, I wrote it in the middle of the night. In an Best ideas happened then. Yeah, yeah, in the middle of the night up <laughs> until I think three in the morning, something like that. Because I, I needed to. Uh, I made a challenge that. I'm going to write for 30 days. Some are cheating, of course. I made a haiku because I was tired. <laughs> but then, turns out the haiku was also good. But then, um, this ringmaker thing, I didn't know where it came from. Funny enough, the day I, was, I came here intending to get married, that ringmaker story was already there. That ringmaker story was already there, and I we went to buy the rings for our wedding. When I saw this ringmaker guy, he had all of these things. I was like, "Where did I get the material <laughs> to envision the same thing I'm in front of a year and a half ago?" It it just blew me off the water. I mean, writing, writing is some sort of travel machine that is not only time travel, but in a way goes through separate dimensions of yourself, you know? <laughs> when I saw that, when I was in that moment, I was just, I was just shocked. I mean, there was no, it was mixed feelings because going back and reading that thing, I would ask myself this question, why did you write that story? Or the ringmaker? What were you frustrated on? What excited you to write that? And why was the main character, the ringmaker, shop owner of, of rings and watches and all of these things? And a woman who goes there to buy a ring, and that ring sort of chose her. I didn't know where that came from. It just came out, and it turned out nice. I would say that if I could choose from some of the short stories I, I wrote, that, would, that is something that piqued my interest because I couldn't put my normal daily self even talking about that topic, you know? Even talking about that topic. But I know that deep inside of me, maybe in another dimension, myself, of myself, another version of myself in another dimension is living that angst or that 
worry or that you know realization of a certain reality that it just has to be put into a story every time i read that even even when i sent it to you just recently i even forgot about the twist <laughs> <laughs> to be honest to be honest man i was like yeah yeah, yeah that's how it worked <laughs> only when i read it but trying to remember it, pick it up from my memory, I couldn't even remember the whole thing. But I'm so happy that I was the vessel of that idea. I might have been bringing it for a long time. I don't know. But it's satisfying. It's so fulfilling. I, I think, I think, yeah. I think that's a full stop about that story. I mean, there. Pretty spot on from what I have felt with some, some of writings. Generally, sometimes... It's really crazy from where does this inspiration comes of that sometimes you just write something that it will actually happen. I mean, we've yeah. seen that in pop culture happen. Take a look at Simpsons. They've written about, they parodied so much stuff that half of them even came through. Become uh, like predictions, right? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. Like <a> prophecy. <laughs> I mean, if, uh, if you are not writer, you will think they know stuff they, they are like uh, predicting. But as a writer, you know that it's crazy, but it can happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, even, even not just once for one writer, it can happen several times. It's not um, something to be. I have this strange. question. Let's just say in this Ceteris Paribus, all things being equal, let's just call ourselves writer at this, writers at this moment. I'm not a published writer. I, let's just say. My question is that writer part of yourself, was there ever a moment where a thought hold, held you back? From doing something mundane, you know, your daily routine, and just ask you, just sit down, shut up, and just write this. Was there ever a moment that? Several times, maybe, but uh, what? It's not always the same situations. It doesn't choose when it's or how. There's no pattern. It just, Do you remember just, a striking thought? Yeah. That... Yeah. Uh, so uh, actually, this is a thought that made me start writing. That's one that I remember most clearly. Uh, so before I started writing, when I entered the uni, I was keeping a dream journal because I started having very vivid and very strange dreams, which I consider, I consider them maybe basis for our writings. And I'm pretty sure they have their to be blamed for things that come true because it's been so many dreams that ended up coming true that it's scary anyway uh i was writing dream journal and you know when you have an exam that you don't want to study for you uh -huh. procrastinate and uh, i grabbed the dream journal and started reading it you know i was just curious how it goes just curious about my dreams in general and i decided to hit the shower and while i was going to the shower i was thinking you know what would be amazing if someone connected these dreams into one story and just wrote a book, movie, or something, I started thinking, where would I find a person to write to, to maybe to direct? I don't know any writers. I don't know anything oh, in, from that field. There was this voice behind me just looked at me deep in my soul and asked, why don't you write it? I was like making excuses. I'm not a writer. I don't know how to write. I don't know where to start. If I start writing a story, I will make it uh, all about me. I don't want to write a story about me. But for every excuse, this voice was very clear and very precise and very rational. Okay, I don't want to write a story about you. I'll write about someone else. 
don't base it on yourself to be a main character of these dreams. Mm. Someone else. I don't know who. I don't, and then the boy started drawing me suggestions. I chose one. And I was like, okay, let's name a character Daniel. But what would happen? How, how would I go through these dreams, through these stories? And I hit in the shower. And the voice was, I think it was getting tired of my, my excuses and just, you know, that dam you have mm-hmm. of, of inspiration that's holding you back. Yeah. It just snapped and it crashed. And I was starting creating this whole sequence. And I was like, oh, wow, I'm fantasizing and everything. And he's, he just stopped me in the shower. Okay, stop fantasizing, go right. I was still soap, soap in my, uh, in my body, shampoo in my hair. I took the towel. I didn't, I didn't wash myself. I took the towel to, 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 to brush it all, grabbed my clothes and ran to, to PC and wrote about three pages of word with just uh-huh. ideas. That word document still exists. The moment it, and it's updated every few months, I think mm-hmm. I have like 170 pages there, just ideas of plot points of, of, mm-hmm. of, uh, characters, uh, situations, pretty much every point that we, that we we're trying to cover here as well. It's been expanding for 10 years. I was just, you know, you just expand you, you as you grow as a writer, as a person, you, you, mm-hmm. you explore all that. I, I did even go back about six more months, nine months ago, mm-hmm. gone through that document and created proper Excel file with all the ideas sorted, mm-hmm. organized, organized my thoughts, organized my, let's say book journal. I don't know mm-hmm. how to, how to call that. So that was the first moment that made me start writing mm-hmm. because there was that voice that only go right in the middle of the shower. <laughs> I don't know yeah, about you. I mean, I'm laughing here because I have experienced that it's, I lived in this apartment. I don't know, it's like seven floors and right out the door, I could go to the sun deck and then I would look at the stars in the middle of Manila. That was like around 2017, 2018. And I was alone there, apartment. I, I lived with two other uh, roommates, but oftentimes they would go go early in the morning to their work because they were they were seafarers. And here I was. I take a shower. It's tropical Philippines. Mm-hmm. This is warm in the evening. Concrete buildings. They just start to entropy. They just start to burn. <laughs> so I take a shower, and then just like you, <laughs> I now have to rush. It's it's as if I am I have to catch a train, because if I don't get my fingers on that blank page and start just typing, this will go away. Yeah, and it's as if it's saying to you. Uh, well, believe it or not. Take it I'm, or leave it, yeah. Yeah, take it or leave it. And so here I am just shoveling, <laughs> writing, <laughs> writing, 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 anything. And I had this this one that I would say, this, there's another piece about about that, that really touched me a lot. I mean, I know where the inspiration came from, but I didn't even thought of romanticizing the thing. You know, I, I had this story about, uh, I even forgot the title, I'm sorry. <laughs> to my, I'm going to say sorry to myself now, but I forgot the title. But it's about this guy who is so in love with this woman. He looks fine. He worked out fine. Let's just, for the sake of, you know, making it short. This character is so romantically in love with this 
woman and but deep down inside him there's a hole there's a void inside him there's a void inside him because he is bringing this secret it cannot be seen with the naked eye but he's actually disabled but society does not treat him as somebody who has a handicap because his handicap is something that not everyone would have or not even noticing or not giving attention the society does not you know just meh he has anosmia he cannot smell the world okay that, that's it's scary he cannot smell be able the to experience yes so now there was this as like how am i going to introduce you to the to the world somebody who cannot smell the world so as like you i didn't even imagine that this thing that struck me because there was an article of this disease uh, i mean somebody wrote some article about it now i had to ask questions how do they live how do these kind of people live what happens if there's when they are kids how do their parents tell them that actually you have a handicap it's just not visible you cannot smell things how do they taste food how do they know if their house is burning all of these things you know all of these things and now he comes here in front of the woman he loves but still feels very defeated be rich he might be you know he might be the best man there's something he cannot tell that the the beautiful romantic how do you call that <laughs> scent of love he wouldn't even be able to, to smell in the physical world the smell of the woman's perfume the scent of the celebrations in a wedding all of these things warm bread etc how about if they have kids you know all of these things there's just this one thing he would have wanted just to smell the world and he could and i was like how will i express you to the world so that moment in the shower right away just start right right imagine put yourself in my shoes it was asking me write me down this is how i'm feeling at this day and time when i was a kid i could my mother did not tell me that it's a, uh, no no the title was my mother didn't even know really didn't even know yes <laughs> <laughs> i was like even even the title i was like what kind of title will i put about something that nobody even knows who is the closest person who should have known so that's why the title is that because the mother should have even known biologically you know i mean it's like oh my and when it got out of me it felt like this it felt like i gave birth to a, i don't know <laughs> a very heavy quintuple <laughs> it's just a big relief when it came out and then i just forgot about it i mean literally it's it's like i had a hangover and just well what happened and then i posted it on facebook at three in the morning if i remember right and then people just said said to me that this has been one of the best i've read so far so unpredictable and so and i would even say i i couldn't even predict it i was like maybe in another dimension i was that person who couldn't smell things <laughs> in a different reality yeah in a different reality so like but it was it was so strong and so pungent as an idea that i couldn't get it off my head because it was just something as i say always the more taboo and unimaginable it is the more it it, it excites me to go there and just look at it and like observe it just observe it because i think that as as a writer 
given just at this moment if we say we're writers. I think it is our responsibility to open up to the world realities that non-writers would not even have the courage to say it. They just say it, they just live it like, that's just life, you know? But that's a writer, very good thought. Yeah, a writer could go there and just say, no, your life is special. I'm going to write about it. You matter. It this connects to what I said, that everyone is literally worthy of being a character in a story. Exactly, yes, yes. I felt... Especially that, those, yeah. especially those with challenges. I mean, I haven't put mm -hmm. that much thought in it. But those handicaps, now that you've said it, it's really... Uh, it's first insane challenge for a writer because you don't want to misinterpret how they feel. I mean, yes, and if, if I were to write a story about someone who's blind, what do I know about being blind? So I can close my eyes, but I know when I open them, I'll see again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, there is this being a vessel of a certain idea. It's, it's scary at the same time because you might interpret it in the way you want it. The idea has to express itself only through you. You know, the story has to express itself only through your writing. But it is a different person and it has to live on its own. So the biases that you have, you really have to take them down. And that was, for me, I'm sort of vindicated. I felt a little bit of redemption, escaping the blame, possibly, of sort of, you know, if I, I talk about the Nosmia, maybe I played it too, I overplayed it, you know, or I made them look pitiful. But in, in a way, they only wanted to know, that the world to know that they exist. Have you ever found a person with uh, hmm? that handicap to read it? N no, I've never, I've never. That would be a really good yeah, experience, yeah, I, uh, hopefully. For me, was a was an interesting experience. I'm sorry, I'm talking a lot. But it was an experience, interesting experience because this these people are hiding in plain sight, literally hiding in plain sight. You can see them, but you wouldn't even really know that they have this. And society do not treat them as people with a specific sense, sensory challenge, you know. So, yeah, that's it. I mean, I'm going to stop. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's very, it's very interesting topic generally. So, I mean, now you're, you're making me to <laughs> want to to write more about this stuff about mm -hmm. this kind of people who i mean even i mean okay smell is a really good one but you have i don't know people who can't feel the pain i know yeah more. there are two that i wouldn't i i don't know i if it comes to me maybe we'll figure it out but <laughs> yeah when you mentioned that now it's like oh uh, yeah that's that's something as or that see oh, I mean I always wanted to be able to see colors or hear sound oh mm -hmm. hear colors see sounds so many yeah, yeah, yeah. different uh, abilities in people hard to be a writer huh? it's hard to flip your brain and be in a certain character's shoes and just live it and just set it free it's a double-edged sword because uh, if you dwell too much on that story 
Mm-hmm. You're risking on becoming that character. Experience that. Yes. That character was so strong that the next <sighs> day you were like, hey. <laughs> it, it was... Taking it over? was very, very, very difficult experience uh, with with one. I had with, I had it with one. Sorry, with one character. I started writing. Uh, I feel that my felt now that I'm older. I know it. it it's not true, uh, but I felt that the one at one point. I felt that best of my writings came during the phase of depression, mm-hmm. during those two three years or however that long lasted. And there was this story about, I mean, it, it's, it, you, you reminded me with, with, um, your story, a story about the guy who had a void in him, uh, but his void was that he was crushed by, I think I, I, I don't remember, but I think I used the, the love and being heartbroken at that time. He was so crushed by that void that he casted away his heart. He literally punched a hole in him. Mm-hmm. He was surprised he was left alive. So with that emotion that we tend to tie as, as a people, common people, with heart, like love and stuff, he went to the world and he's just existing. He's just realizing he's becoming the most powerful thing because you're not tied by, you're, you're not obstructed by emotions and so on. And at one point he started being afraid of himself, despite fear being just a feeling that he should not feel. Mm-hmm. And he decided to imprison himself. I saw myself in that character. I dwelled on that story for six months because, uh, as I said, I wrote it depression. Uh, I had no ending for that story. Actually, I did have an ending and that's why I was so stuck on it because in the ending he was supposed to die. Being related to that character, I was like, it was difficult. It was uh, very tempting to write it, but it felt that writing it would take me down the road that I should not go. And it took me six good months. I was opening the world constantly, reading that book, but um, reading that story trying to figure out the end, some other ending, but none, no, no ending was coming to my mind. And then about six months after I started the story, uh, I was watching, I, I'm pretty sure you're familiar with the movie, uh, Life of Pi. And not to spoil too much, but uh, there was a scene at the very end that involved the butterfly. And again, there was that voice, follow that butterfly. I incorporated that butterfly in the story where that butterfly would set my character free. And just like that, it, the chains uh, broke free, broke him free, and door opened and he just left the prison. And that's where the story ends. But mm-hmm. uh, it took me six months to go there and I was dwelling on something that's as I said, it's a double-edged sword. Mm-hmm. True. You go, you go very deep uh, with your characters because you end up uh, loving and, and hating these characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, if if you're passionate about what you write, yeah. Even this no, even these novels. I'm uh, when I first wrote the first edition, let's say first first version of the, this first novel. 
I wasn't really tied to the characters, but when I was uh, rereading it and preparing it for revision and stuff, I started caring about them because the book was written by someone else, me in the past, right? Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, I, I'm connected to these characters and I'm about to ruin all their lives. <laughs> so, yeah. But um, I think you mentioned, I mean, you, you expose yourself, you, you write, what you write is your honest view that you, you, honest dialogue maybe that you have with yourself. Yeah. 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 And what you write is what you, what you feel, what you, what you, what you hope to feel or what you think. Crazy. It's heavy. Yeah. I mean, sometimes yeah. I, I don't know if, if people who would listen to this would feel the same way. Uh, but I think most of the writers would, would somehow have a glimpse of this, had a glimpse of it. it. Well, maybe, who knows? I, I, I would I just add, I, I remember one thing about this um, story that I just told you. Uh, what's crazy is that I used to share that story a lot. I sent it to many people. I had uh, so many, um, reviews, thoughts, uh, yeah. about the many liked it and so on. And a few years later, I reread that story and I would call that feeling shame or embarrassment mm -hmm. because that story was so personal that I wasn't aware of at that time. You just expose yourself. I'm not regretting that I've shared. I'm just having that sense. Vulnerable. Oh God, why did I do it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but yeah. it's good that uh, you do because writing by itself has so many, in my opinion, life lessons that can be uh, applied outside yeah. writing. Yeah, I mean, sure. I was thinking a bit today about this podcast and I was thinking about generally writing, growing by exposing yourself as a writer and as a person. If you live, live in a shell, you won't grow. But also as a writer, if you don't share, if you don't expose your writing, your thoughts, your feelings to mm -hmm. someone who will review it, criticize it, or just share most basic opinion mm -hmm. of I like it or I don't, uh, you won't know how to grow. You'll be stuck in, in, uh, in thinking that you cannot go, go further. You cannot grow better, but uh, you expose yourself and you're you know, you, you expose your writing and then you get review and you know, okay, I can do this better. I know how to do this better. Same in life. Uh, if we don't expose who we are as people, maybe we won't be able to get a chance to grow. I mean, no progress without risking after all. Yeah, that's true. That's true. When I was, when I was younger, I, I really didn't, I, I got so in love with poetry, to be honest. And poetry was so simple as rhymes. Yeah. And then when I went to the university, it was just a whole different universe then. And then I, I, I had these two professors in, in literature. And I was in business school, but I had I took some some courses in literature. I just felt so at home with those to the point that they invited me to shift to that course. But survival-wise, I wouldn't. Uh, I was on a scholarship and yeah, I, I needed to maintain grades and just shifting to another course would mean to restart and then maybe lose some grades, you know, yeah. while trying to 
pick up and then that's it. But then I, I really kept it with me. I, I even wrote a piece like writing is a bitch. <laughs> Sorry for <laughs> that word. But it keeps haunting me every now and then. I mean, being a writer, I think, I'm not a published writer. I mean, I publish on Facebook. but <laughs> Published, published. I, I hope so. It's part of my, my dream list to really publish my own. There are a lot of hesitations in, in the process, to be honest. Because sometimes I'm held back by, is it worthy of other people's, you know, attention or time or will it, you know, sometimes, uh, I mean, in what's wrong with the current situation of, I mean, our circumstance like social media where we throw out things out there is, is I think the feedback becomes debased into this reactions or likes or whatever. So the feedback are not actually in a way for me helping because it's a ju just a dopamine high. On the other hand, I know deep inside of me, a more intimate kind of feedback, like if you wrote it on paper and then show it to somebody else, that kind of feedback is the one that will sort of bolster something or compel something even much greater. I mean, with publishing, you don't always get a chance to, to yes. get that feedback yeah, that, yeah, as yeah. well. There, there might be really, really great feedback that might not even arrive. Then I was thinking that, I mean, that's why I'm kind of hesitant still. I feel not so confident in, you know, at least compiling my short stories and then publishing it, although I know how it could possibly be done. So I'm treading in this water of, of growing that confidence. I'm, I'm I'm treading into that, you know. My journey now is getting into that, and maybe add up more, you know, just just to oil the thing and just and start writing. Uh, relating to the one you were saying that the character might really immerse you into deeper waters. I, I think that uh, I. I, I can't even say if I have undergone depression or, or I don't know. But all I know is that what's scary when sometimes a character is so dominating and yourself agrees to this character that it says some levels of truth is that even while you are cooking or gardening or whatever, this character just comes to your head and just says, see, told you. <laughs> see i told you sometimes i was thinking am i schizophrenic <laughs> or <something like> that. <laughs> i think i think all writers are in some way schizophrenic i mean that would explain a lot <laughs> it, it it makes me think that but it's a little nudge but it's 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 strong i don't know for anybody listening to this, this podcast could you please tell us if you experienced that and if we are schizophrenic and I get, I need to get myself. Even if you're not from writer. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but yes. Those Even a reader maybe has those those moments <laughs> that a uh, character you love from a book pops up. And I don't yeah. know, I would like to know as well. Yeah, it, it, it goes to that point, like this characters, whether we created or heard of it, Sometimes they can be so domineering, they can just say, told you. Actually, maybe, I, I can maybe confirm as a reader 
That's, mm. But uh, I'm did, again. I'm then biased because I'm a writer at the same time. But <laughs> I've had I've had characters I read about pop up in my mind. Not like I told you so, but more like a guidance of of. Aha! Mm. Uh -huh, see, this is the, something that you could do it like me. Some mm. some some sort of that. But maybe I don't know. But still, <laughs> again, again. We are we are still maybe schizophrenic, so <laughs> who knows? But yeah. Well, anyway, you you mentioned about this. I mean, uh, this period of of depression. Uh, so, apart from having a world where your thoughts get into ink, for the lack of a better terms, not actually ink, but you know, digital ink. Let's just say. Mm -hmm. How else did you? How else did you live that moment? Stuck in a corner, try, uh, stuck into the wall. Uh, I mean, those moments were. What was your you, butterfly? You said there was this butterfly. I would. I mean, I don't want to uh, be labeled uh, uh, strictly religious, because we could devote whole podcast to my relationship with the God. But for me, that butterfly was a God. It was some unusual moment in my relationship with him where I kind of rediscovered him after so many years. Uh, I always uh, clinged to the, to the hope that he's there, but I couldn't, I was not looking for him. I was just hoping he will show up in front of me instead of me diverting my eyes where he is. So that butterfly was just, his finger doing like this over mm. here. Mm. And it wasn't, I mean, that butterfly was something that uh, cracked the illusion of depression, cracked the illusion of that darkness that was upon me, but it wasn't uh, until a year later or so that, that I managed to, to get out of that period of, of just darkness uh, it's it's insane that uh, even for depression i can talk a lot uh, but uh, not to, to go into deep uh, i can tell so many moments from my high school i have such a clear memory of that time but these few years in depression i passed 15 exams during that time i don't know how i don't remember i, I remember names of exams because throughout the whole school i was you know reading comparing i don't i, I some for some exams i don't know what i was studying for mm. i don't know what was the topics of the exam uh, i remember just several moments uh, mostly tied to writing to fantasize and maybe some experiences with people i don't remember movies i've seen that during that time i don't remember most of the thoughts and and memories i've had were, weren't happy ones mm -hmm. So I think my brain's mechanism was just block it all. For your sake, for my sake, block it all. I mean, tying to, to, the, to the second call that I've had to, to bit, uh, grab some flow. Sometimes when I get stuck in that corner, since you, since you mentioned that you, you never, you're not sure have you experienced the depression, mm -hmm. from my point of view, I think that's all, all of us that enter deeper into those waters, you know, fantasize about not existing anymore. I won't say clearly suicide, just mm -hmm. stopping existing 
even the suicide as 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 an act is uh, tedious and uh, repulsive. At least it was for me, especially because I was guilt tripping myself that it would create so much damage that it would, wouldn't be worth it. So I had no choice. I had something go deep into darkness, but into some other way. So I was like imagining myself that if life pushed me too far, I was always one punch away. I would grab a passport, all my savings, a bag full of stuff, and just go over the border. And I had this fantasize that, that I wouldn't mind achieving it one day of just, an example, walking to China. Literally walking, no buses, no trains, no cars, no motorcycles, planes, <laughs> just walking to China. How would I survive? No idea. <laughs> I had like timeline. Here was moment I leave the house. Here's the moment where my fantasies, fantasy starts. <laughs> What's between? How would I go there? No idea. <laughs> so that was like this crazy thought because that way I'm not disappearing. I'm not creating as that big damage as seizing would uh, would create but then again i'm running away from from everything that's bringing me down although i mean looking back who knows if that would help because wherever you go you carry yourself with uh, so depression mm -hmm. would just come with me in, in at least partially so i was so uh, dreaming of just grab a backpack in some savings passport and just go uh, I don't know how it is in your in in other countries in your country perhaps in Philippines. Uh, when you reach the end of university, uh, you as a grad student get a chance to with other students travel. In our case, uh, have a trip around Europe, and uh, I hated those ideas. Firstly, because I disliked and I still dislike ninety percent of colleagues from my university because mm -hmm. I see them as snobby. It's not that I'm much more special, but I'm just saying I see them as snobby. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't want to be stuck two weeks with people I don't like. That That's insane. And on the other hand, the trips were not much special. Usually every year, every two out of three years, it would be on a cruiser. Bro, you're boring. You go, I mean, it's fun to do it sometimes but for me the idea was so boring so when i graduated from my uni i was like you know what i'm gonna do it i'm gonna go on my own adventure i will figure it out i don't know how i don't know where i don't know when so that trip was i did it and that trip was so full of challenges so full of issues twists oh my god <laughs> but it's still one of the most fun things I did. Uh, so what I did, uh, I contacted this kid that I knew only online. I never met him in person. He's not mm -hmm. a gen, so mm -hmm. I know him through gaming community. Mm -hmm. uh, he reached out to me years ago because he was dwelling in depression, rightfully. Mm -hmm. uh, and we maintain the con. We're still in contact. We still talk. He he lives in Netherlands in Utrecht. Mm -hmm. I was like, I contacted him after graduating and asked him, do you want to meet? And because we already talked about it previously, mm -hmm. we were like, okay, we, we would like to meet each other at mm -hmm. one point in life. He was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like in a week, we want to meet. He was like, yeah, sure. So I asked him, you know, being the 
student with barely any money, pretty much <laughs> none. I would need a place to stay. He was like, no, what is you will sleep in my room? So I'm going to Netherlands to meet a guy that I never met in person to sleep in his mm-hmm. room. Mm-hmm. That that by itself is a <laughs> scary. <laughs> but for me, I, I, I had a trust in him too much, but it, it was a decision that I tried. I wanted to follow that instinct. Initially, I wanted to go to Zagreb, to Croatia, mm-hmm. because I already been there. So I was like, oh, I'm already familiar. I could go mm-hmm. and then I asked myself, do you really want to just do this big trip you plan to just mm-hmm. to be to Croatia for a few days? That's why I started contacted this friend. Mm-hmm. And I also, because this is the second time I actually backpacked in Europe. First time I went to mountain in the name of love uh, to Slovakia. I was riding trains from Belgrade to Budapest to uh, Bratislava, Slovakia. Then from there, I don't know, somewhere deep in the mountains, I took the train. It's, it, it took me 20 hours to reach uh, mm-hmm. the, the destination. Uh, and there I met uh, this uh, friend, friend acquaintance that lives in France. So I was like, I contacted him as well. Hey, bro, do you want to meet for, for a day? I will be going through through France and he was like, okay, we can, I'll be like happy. And uh, as with the previous guy, I was like, but could you just please help me find a place to stay? He was like, no worries, I'll, I'll fix it. And he put me in the gen house in Paris. Mm-hmm. And uh, I contacted, of course, the friends in Zagreb. So to complete the whole trip. Mm-hmm. So I was like happy, created some travel journal that I'll plan to the plan that I will try to stick to. I was so happy, you know, you're going to trip all by myself yeah. with the bag. Just, you know, it's, it's exciting. And I went, initially I wanted to go with the bus to Netherlands and my dad persuaded me rightfully. So pick a plane, the, the difference in price was maybe 50 euros, but I would say 30 hours. So yeah. Hmm. You know, the question was, is really 30 hours of my life worth of 50 euros? The answer is not really. <laughs> so I took a plane to Eindhoven and mm-hmm. my friend, my friend told me, just get a bus ticket, go to central bus station, grab a, uh, grab a train and you're in Utrecht. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'll figure it out. I mean, I went to Bratislava, I'll figure out, figure out mm-hmm. my way. I went to Bratislava alone. So I'll figure it out again. I go to um, to the bus station. I, I landed, went to bus station, tried to use my card, <clears throat> rejected. My, <laughs> my card was broken somehow. Never used, uh-huh. but my card was like scratched or something. Uh-huh. So my, my card was broken. I was terrified. I was, I, I didn't know what to do. I had barely any cash. I was mm-hmm. relying on using the card, like, you know, mm-hmm. for everything. And that was not the first obstacle, actually. When I landed in, in, in uh, Eindhoven, while I was ending my flight, I was talking with this grandma that was visit- visiting her daughter and the lives who knows where. She was telling me all the stories about Netherlands, excited mm-hmm. me. And at the end of the flight, she told me, you know, just you have to pass border control. And I was like, what is that? What, what, what do people use that? And I landed and I came to border control and he took my passport and started questioning me. And 
since I had no proof that I will leave the uh, uh, European Union because Serbia is not part of European Union, it was like, I need a proof that you will leave this country. I cannot let you in if you, if you don't have proof that you will leave. And I was like, oh God, oh God, what should I? And I was just, you know, I, I was honest. I graduated at my university. I wanted to award myself. Mm -hmm. And this is a short trip that I have phone numbers of friends. I don't have any addresses. I don't have mm -hmm. proof. I'm aware that's an issue. And I was like, up to you. I mean, looking back that I didn't have a properly working card, I don't know how would I book a flight to yeah, return yeah, if I was rejected. Yeah, I yeah, wouldn't yeah. be able to enter the airport. Mm -hmm. But he was nice and he was like, okay, please be aware in the future because it was my first flight it was my everything's first first experience please be aware in future have a nice experience blah yeah, blah, yeah. blah then when the car that got rejected i panically called, called my parents they checked in the bank bank said everything's fine everything's fine but the car is not working i cannot use it i cannot i went to atm it rejects me yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so my parents used western union sent me some money mm -hmm. my account okay i'll use use that I called a friend and told him the situation. He's like, sit tight, I'll come. Mm -hmm. I called him while he was on an exam, so he left the exam. He, oh, went, he went about an hour of trip to, to come for me, to help me. Because uh, when I called him, I was still waiting for, for my parents to finalize the, the mm -hmm. transfer. I didn't even uh, took the money until he picked me up and we mm. got to Utrecht. It's, it was then when I got money. So I was in Utrecht uh, for four days, and uh, I think that's one of the most beautiful cities I have seen. And just, uh, it's city of young. Uh, young people focus on creating their own environment, on creating their own lifestyle. They, they make the changes, they make the goals, they, 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 they're asked for. There are so many young people, it's amazing. I, I don't know what, the, elderly do when they grow do they just abandon the city or whatever so i was in utrecht for, for four days and just exploring the city experiencing uh creating better bridge relationship with whatever, whatever with this friend mm -hmm. it just that part in utrecht if I, even if i haven't continued my journey to to mm -hmm. the other destinations was enough to be a life-changing experience because that was what i despite this initial issues that I described, mm -hmm. it was what, what I daydreamed when, when I was depressed. You're just experiencing that, those wings. I mean, I believe you, you experienced that a lot because you, you traveled way more than I have. Those wings of just, you know, you're, you're on your own, but you're again, so free. There are no chains pulling you back. You will figure it out. You're, you're able to, to explore as, as you should. Yes, yes. Yeah, I, I, it's interesting. Uh, you telling me uh, this journey, really, that's why I'm always espousing the idea that the best education we could give our children is travel. Yeah. I could, I could really attest to that uh, because <laughs> my four years in the university, what did I, what can I remember? <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, I, I love my university so much, but <laughs> can I really remember that I can tell you, you know, for an hour <laughs> or lecture you for something? I, I cannot. Mm -hmm. But those things that I picked up from travels, they, they remain me. 
up until now, your adventure opens up a new avenue for one of the the good things that can that travel can bring. Really, I think if if I am right to say this, that it's really when you are alone, you really get to discover parts of yourself, both limits and possibilities. And by doing so, you get to to travel has all of this. You got to get, you get to go through a border. You got to. There are just a lot of challenges when you are on the yeah. road. Yeah, especially if you don't, you are not aware what what can happen. Yeah, exactly. And the best Experience. person you can rely on is you, is yourself. Mm-hmm. I think the for a long time living the daily life in wherever comfortable we are, we actually forget that there is a big benefit understanding that it might be there's a threat to survival. Mm-hmm. And travel gives you that. There is a threat not getting a plane. There's a threat that you will sleep wherever. There's a threat. Or the usual threat that you yeah. will not find your bag while you're trying to. Exactly. There was this time that in Florence, I, me and another friend, he was from Brazil, we slept in the train station in the winter together with people who sleep in the streets. That's why I always tell my wife that it's hard to be a, a street person here in Europe because the winters will kill you, man. I mean, yeah. in the Philippines, even if you're not homeless, you, you will get I mean, more winter. Crazy. I, I tried it and I'm like, oh, <laughs> I don't know. Some of my friends may not have heard of this, but I tried it. I tried sleeping in this, in, at least in the outside of the train station in, in Florence. And it was in the middle of winter, and I'm like, "Oh God, I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm not gonna do this again." <laughs> but yeah, that's what travel tells you. That travel really puts you in front of yourself, and then it on. So, are we gonna change something? Are we gonna do? What are we gonna do now? So, it makes you aware of who you are, how you're feeling, and then it educates you. It shows you things that okay, maybe we can try this. Maybe we can try that. Uh, maybe we should trust this. Maybe we shouldn't trust that. <laughs> Something like, <laughs> you know, yeah. if you don't go, you wouldn't know. If you don't go, you wouldn't know. I-, I would always say that. If you don't go, you wouldn't know. Getting here, I mean, here, you know. In I mean, I, I, you and I know half of challenges you you experience just getting to Serbia and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy. But going back, circling back to the whole thing from, from writing, from from you know traveling and and all of these things up until this point what do you think are what lessons did you learn about you know just chasing not really chasing but understanding that there's a sort of this sounds woo woo but there's a sort of path that each one of us are following you may call it dreams you may call it not dreams I don't know hopes plans whatever what lesson did you pick along the way that you think, yeah, this is this is ought to be shared to other people? First and foremost, being honest to yourself, because as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, that's not something that anyone can do. But uh, as hard as it may be, you have to be honest to yourself because that's 
basis of growth. Things cannot be perfect from the first try. You have to keep trying to understand uh, yourself and just to expose yourself. Uh, being exposed and being open does mean we have to be vulnerable, but it must happen. We will get hurt in the process. We will experience issues. We will be blocked. And But uh, without it, uh, it we, we cannot be strong. Uh, we cannot get stronger. We have to get stronger for ourselves, for the people around us. It's necessity to have be stronger i mean we all we all are allowed moment of weaknesses moments dozens but at the end you have to be strong to survive in this world not physically not even in the mind but at heart just being uh set on that path with some strengths uh to eventually surpass the barricades that you may reach i think angela once uh your wife told me uh <laughs> Uh, no, there was, uh, it still sucks to me, but I not always remember it. She said uh, once that God gives us always the weight, the, the, the load that he knows we can handle. So at any point that we feel, oh, this is too much for me. I don't know how will I do it. You can do it. There are going to be scary situations where you will think that. God forbid, no. But uh, even if they happen, you will be able to handle it. You will be able to find strength, whether for yourself or for the people around. So that's one of the very profound thoughts she also shared and that stuck to me for a long, long time. I mean, it's been 10 years. And uh, one more thing that I that, that, that sparked me in me uh, from both writing and traveling and generally all this talk, going down when you said going down that path that we, we are trying to go on we have to be aware of one thing that we cannot go on the path that others expect expects us to that that will never lead to to fulfillment that will never lead to anything uh, that will in the end make us makes us happy uh, so we have to ignore in a way expectations that people put on us mm -hmm. for instance this trip people expected me to i don't know book a hotel or mm -hmm. prepare or uh, arrange an agency i didn't do that i why, why i don't feel comfortable doing that maybe it was smarter thing to do but didn't do it per expectations people did for instance even for writing here's one challenge i've had she's not aware uh, <laughs> uh i once shared the story that we haven't talked about, one of them we haven't talked about with my mother. Mm -hmm. And she really liked it. But when I she asked me who wrote it, and I said myself, I saw the fear in her eyes. I realized that she was afraid that I would stop uh, educating myself in the university, chasing the writing career. So I realized in her eyes, I cannot involve her. She still doesn't mm -hmm. know I wrote this much. Uh, so I, I just went on myself because if I were to uh, obey to her expectations, I would stop writing. So I just went on and did it on my own and just wrote it and did the both things because mm -hmm. you're able to do the both things if, if you're really set on it. Uh, another friend of mine also said that uh, if you really want to do something, if you really desire for things to happen, things will go your way. The bricks will lay upon you 
upon you. The, mm. it, will, it, it will it will work out. The example is that my trip because things worked out. I mm. went out completely blind, but things will work out because I really desired to do that. So that's one of the biggest lessons that I've taken from from these experiences. Yes, yes, that's true. I mean, yeah, sometimes living up to expectations of voices around us can really be daunting and and not having the courage to sort of silence them in a way and and listen to your own voice more will get you in trouble <laughs> and will not bring you to the fulfillment that you have the potential to arrive at right so yeah. i i i had that i had that feeling too that sometimes it is it is hard to really swallow the fact that we all have different hopes in life. Different, yeah, different nothing. We cannot follow yes, yes. I, I cannot follow your dream. You cannot follow mine. We can have a lot of commonalities, but the dreams I have were given to me uniquely because, as you said, I can bear them. I can make them a reality. And sometimes it's hard to explain that, nor... Uh, we get into the border of trying to convince other people that, yes, this is my dream, you know. It, but in reality, uh, what is that? Like Mark Manson was saying, don't try. <laughs> don't try. <laughs> because it, it, it just wouldn't be. It, 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 it's just hard for them to understand. It's hard for people to understand why, well, for example, in my experience in traveling, who the hell would think that suddenly you just wake up and then they, somebody tells you, I'm going to bring you to Brazil, but you got to edit 10 videos for me. I'm going to pay you a thousand euros and then figure out along the way how you can go to this conference and talk about making, you know, multimedia materials out of free stuff on the internet. The moment I heard that, that I'm going to speak in the World Peace Forum about whatever and somebody's going to pay me. Uh, to do that, I was in Rome. It's hard to explain to people that I would do that because I love that idea. Imagine, imagine that if you never me. took that offer. Huh? Imagine <laughs> if you never took that offer. Exactly, exactly. And and you know, just like you, when you arrive to Utrecht, I, in in a way, I'm just gonna say this in this podcast, but thank you to. <laughs> Thank you to Bianca who, allowed, who welcomed me in Rio de Janeiro. Did this in this way. I bought the ticket and I was shaking. I had no money. I had to find a way to get this debit card in Italy, which eventually did not work. And I had somebody who entrusted me their credit card that I had to pay in return. I bought that ticket in one afternoon not knowing who i have to meet in rio de janeiro and i scanned through facebook and i saw this girl i met her twice twice in florence talk nice nice person and then what did i say hi bianca you know what i bought this ticket going to rio de janeiro because i'm going to florianopolis do you have a couch i can stay <laughs> That's pretty much the experience that I can also realize. Exactly. Yeah, sure. And of course, she was like, she's Brazilian. They're very hospitable. And like, 
Yeah. Of course I will give you a couch. I have my whole house to offer <laughs> you. My whole family would like to meet you. And I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> great, because I cannot refund the ticket anymore. So then that's it. And these tiny moments of risking being very vulnerable, there, there is just a high chance it would fail. There's a high chance it would fail. There's a high chance that I, I, I arrived at the airport there and then maybe somebody, the, the person I trusted would just say, nah, I was just joking. <laughs> you can go to sleep on the streets now. There's a high chance that it could go like that. But then, I had some, some kind of thoughts of like that uh, yeah. with this friend. I was on the plane. I was, I did not, uh, those thoughts, they were at the back of my head, but I not listened to them. I just look at this very beautiful city underneath the plane of the clouds and i'm like mm. this was the dream i've always dreamt of and i did not even work so hard for it it just came to me and all i needed to do was just open my arms and just receive it that in a way is like i don't even need to explain to anybody what i'm doing my only task here if it was even a task was to live this to live it to its fullest i i had this there was, I don't know, maybe to our listeners and also to you, I would like to share this part of this book. Uh, there's this book published in the 19, 1910, something like that, by a writer called Wallace D. Wattles. The book is The Science of Getting Rich. Mm-hmm. And there's this phrase that was really, there's this illustration of a boy trying to play the piano, and he gets so frustrated because he cannot play the notes right. And that illustration of this little kid with feeble fingers trying to play piano is an illustration of God living inside of you, wanting to enjoy the beauty of music. And it is in our heads. Having being frustrated, that boy being frustrated because he is incapable, he is incapable still. But it takes time. It takes time. There's a proper time. And soon when you are really good, it is this spirit, this, I don't know, this universal cosmic being. That when you enjoy whatever dream he gave you, it is him enjoying that. Therefore, he will reinforce you to it. So when I read that thought, that idea, I really embraced it for me and try to live it in my in my life because I felt that it was in its truest sense uh, the belief I did it I wasn't able to mouth you know I mean I, I wasn't able to say that I believe that that the dreams that are given to you will feed you it will sustain you it has a mechanism of making itself alive you just need to say yes you just need to say yes. you just need to take that step you know and that little step is everyone, what everyone would say, being vulnerable, too risky, too, too crazy. You know, why, why, would you, why would you go there when you're already good here, you know, the comfort zone? But the moment you cross that, that barrier, you are just... There, there, there's this concept that, that I think even both of us are sometimes prone to it. Uh, sometimes you're feeling, I mean, especially... The, uh, encountering that while I'm researching lately. There's this concept of like, I cannot do things until I know them well, just do them. 
Just start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just do anything. Try to yeah, do yeah. it. Not don't yeah. don't try to 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 research to be comfortable enough to expand your comfort zone. No, you have to get out. You have to risk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I I go to I go back to that every now and then. Mm -hmm. I know. I I know. I I could attest to that. Sometimes I will not do it. I'm not. Uh, I am not. Uh, same. Same. Yeah. It's 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 a it's a trap. <laughs> yeah, it is. I read it a lot in some books. I, I productivity books, self help books, whatever you call them. Mm, that even the Atomic Habits that mm -hmm. you know this this book uh, I read just recently, uh, James Clear, and saying that the changes are habits that come from the idea of identity that comes from the self. But you, when you want to become like an artist, you have to identify yourself as an artist, and then everything else just flows to the action, to the you know. Instead of acting out the thought, acting out in a way to arrive to a certain identity, to become first and then do, not to do yes. first and then you will become. Uh, he, he he did the example that I that struck to me with more because my parents are both smokers. But he said, take example to people that are smoking. One both both of them quit the the cigars and you offer one offer them both. Mm -hmm. One will say no thanks, I'm trying to quit. Mm -hmm. The other says no thanks, I'm not smoker. Not smoker, yeah. That, that it's, I mean, verbally it's not a huge change, but. Philosophically, it's insane difference yeah, yeah. in standpoints. Yeah, yeah. I think that's it. It, it. it circles into this. And so, I don't know. I think, I know. So, so what's the next step for you? Well, actually, I will I'll try to finish my book by the June because it, it circles back to the, I mean, we discussed about publishing as well, mm. but it circles back to the, the one thing. If you desire it, it will find you. So I found a contest for publishing. Oh, really? So, so try in Serbian. So I'll try to, mm -hmm. to, to I, I have like 20 pages left, mm -hmm. uh, which go pretty well uh, mm -hmm. to re-edit. And I'll try to enter it. I don't want to win. I just want to enter it just mm -hmm. for the sake of, you know, getting into that field. And uh, we'll see then. I, will, I, will, I want uh, what I, I would like to publish because I would like mm -hmm. to others experience books that I wrote. Uh, but one of the reasons that I always was felt uneasy with, write, uh, with publishing is because I was afraid that publishing would make me become a writer for sake of publishing. Uh, I want to remain a person that writes firstly for myself. Mm -hmm. Because that's what's important for me. I write first story mm -hmm. for myself, then I will edit it for mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. everyone else uh, so that's one of the things uh the other thing that i want to try is now that's not part of right i mean aside from writing that novel that i've told you that is still in the making mm -hmm. but it's also to just experience travel wise some ideas i have one this huge idea that i want to do it some day i've read it once that you can connect via trains portugal and i think it was vietnam that ah. you can take Whoa. real stations and I want to do that trip. Mm -hmm. So that would be something that I would like to do from the point of traveling.
I mean, firstly, we need to have situation in the world be calm down because yes, uh, yes, yes. I would have to go through Russia. Mm, yes, yes, I understand. So those are examples, but uh, it, it, there are so many, uh, there are many ideas that cook in me that I would like to try, especially this year. This year feels like it's time to start new new things. Like for me, this thing, this thing is a new thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, right. It's, it's funny how it all culminated to this because I've been attempting, to be honest. You know what the, What was holding me back was thinking that I needed to please people in a way. You know, I was on the dopamine high kind of uh, train. I needed to get off that train and understand that the one I really liked was really conversing with people, especially with uh, with dreams, you know, with, with, a, with fulfillment and all of this. And I was like, why not go there? What's holding you back? Come on, just do it. I think that one thing that helped as well was just, as you said, exposing yourself. So recently, with all the developments, with this kind of setup, with this podcast, setting it up, planning it, even this, you know, I have an empty whiteboard now, but I keep writing there every now and there. I think it's just showing up. I, I need to show up. Sometimes I'm a little bit shy to send to you, oh, here's the update, or even if you don't, don't know, don't need it anyway. But I think it will help as well for me just to show up. Keep doing it. <laughs> <laughs> just to show up. There's even a friend, I'm waiting for him to, to be on the podcast as well. I invited him and he said, okay, I'm going to get into your podcast if you promise me that you will continue getting more guests. And I was like, well, that's a good offer. Okay, jump in. So, yeah. <laughs> excited to hear him as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm excited to have more guests and listen to more dreams, more life stories, find all of this. Uh, we do have people, dream catcher kind of people, and then share them to others as well through the podcast for the stories to really unravel more be more digestible so yeah you have to be vulnerable until you find your note That's and true. to explore pretty much the stuff we talked about is what awaits you in this yeah journey. <laughs> yeah 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 in pretty this quest. meta pretty meta yeah. But yes yeah just the final final note before we go would you like to share something i mean where people can find you see your work online connect with you i mean not so I, private but just i mean i don't have anything where i publish my work online but i mean they can use my instagram if mm -hmm. needed i mean you have it you can i don't know you can put link here <laughs> <laughs> okay i'll put it in the show notes <laughs> feel free yeah. I, yeah. I mean it's all it's public profile so because my main goal here is as well just try to gather as much people with the same with parallel dreams in a way, no, a similar mm -hmm. dream to have, let's say, for example, if you're thinking of becoming a writer, so here's a writer, here's a writer or somebody who yeah, is to contact the book that I mentioned you, the, the why cafe, there is mm -hmm. one, this amazing sentence that, that says the, the main characters was asked to make omelette and he's like, I don't know how to make omelette. Oh, you miss one ingredient. Which one? The who, what do you mean the who? When you don't know how to do something, you find someone who knows how to do it and ask him to show it to you. Exactly. So Much that's easier. it. Yeah. Because uh, if you ask someone that enjoys what they're doing to, to show you how to do it, I'm pretty sure they'll be glad to, to help you. All right. I think that's that wraps up everything. 
This is the end of our recording. Thank you, Nemo, for your Thank time. Thank you, Edward, for hosting and me. Great. Awesome. Have a nice day. Bye. You too. Bye. And there you have it. Thanks for listening to another episode of Dreamcatch Request. And please don't forget to subscribe to get notified of new episodes and get inspired to make your dreams a reality. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the whole world to me if you could rate and review Dreamcatcher. And to be always in the loop, please visit our website at my.dreamcatcher.quest. So thanks again, and I'll see you next time. Happy dream catching!